Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Okay, Bobby, last week, if you were listening to Urban Spelunking, we promised a, a really interesting uh, story about a, a very famous and beloved architect. And it, you, you kept me waiting for a week, and now we know what the story is about. This is a, this is a pretty interesting story that there could have been multiple buildings in Milwaukee by a certain architect. Yes, a certain Santiago Calatrava, which what? makes me wonder then, which one would we have called the Calatrava? Right? We yes. would have had to call them the Calatravas, because there could have been five of them. Wow. So this this was mind-blowing to me. I had no idea that there were actual, this wasn't just like talk. I mean, the, in some cases, there were designs and renderings and models of these buildings that would have been designed in Milwaukee. From what I'm gathering from the article, Bobby, you know, Kyle Trava really developed kind of a, a soft spot for Milwaukee during his uh, expansion of the art museum. He really did. And I think it's because we embraced him so strongly. Um, and I think that was probably, we must have been ready. There must have been decades of pent up demand for something exciting architecturally <laughs> in Milwaukee, you know, because we're, we've generally been a fairly, you know, in the late 20th century a fairly conservative architectural town you know like yeah. the things we were building were sort of um buildings that were postmodern takes on like earlier buildings <laughs> you know like 100 east wisconsin was basically sort of like a postmodern take on the building it replaced the paps building um so i think we were just so excited to have this like world-class architect here and it just got it was contagious, you know, and I think that developers and, and people who were in charge of doing these buildings and these projects were thinking, well, look how great that's going to look. We want one of those. Um, and was and, Calatrava like newer in his career at this time or was he pretty well established? He was um, a little bit of both in the sense that he was more well established in Europe. Um, he had built a building, his only building in uh, North America when he signed on to do the art museum was in Toronto. So Milwaukee was the first United States city to get a Calatrava building. So that um, must've really felt, you know, really special at that time just to be the first in the country of anything right. is cool, but to have a building so iconic, you know, in such a prominent location, you could see how Milwaukee caught Calatrava fever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what happened is, you know, he was coming here quite often for the art museum project and um, and that was announced in, De you're going to be surprised about this, I think, but the, they announced him as the pick for that in December of 1994. Really? Like really early. And so by, um, 1997, he was given an honorary degree because he's both an architect engine and, and an engineer. So he's got an honorary degree at MSOE. So he was in town for that. And that should have been our first clue because the first project that got announced um well i should say the second project after the art museum was a design for the kern center um which was going to be a new gym and like fitness and health center at msoe you just heard the first part of our conversation talking about the calatravas that could have been in milwaukee all right we're going to take a quick break here and continue our conversation next on urban spelunking do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love it's all funded by the honor system 
as a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today. So for, for whatever reason, and we, I guess we in each case, the reasons differ. So we're not going to get into like whether or not it was a good idea or a bad idea. Because <laughs> um, who are we to say? But looking at the – what we can say, though, is looking at the designs – it would have been pretty impressive and pretty, uh, I think, an, another building that would, you know, represent Milwaukee on a global scale. Yeah, the, the his design for the Kern Center, for which we have many, many drawings and uh, and two models, a model made by his studio and then a model that was made in the rapid prototyping lab at um, MSOE itself. But the one that I saw was the one that he made and shipped here from his office in Zurich. Switzerland. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful building. It's it's as iconic looking as the art museum and shares some similarities. I mean, you wouldn't mistake one for the other, but it has a breeze soleil in it, um, which when I showed the picture to a, a local a fellow local historian, he said, that reminds me of a bread slicer. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he's right. I could see bread slicer. Yeah. Yeah. But a beautiful building, beautiful building. It would have really, and you know, the, MSW got a nice building. The Kern Center is a nice building, you know. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yes. But that block would have looked a whole lot different had this building been up there. I mean, it's, and you people will see it in the story. So I know we're on the radio here, but can you describe what, you know, some of the, the big key features look yeah, like that, that give it that, that uh, bread slicer look? Yeah. So on the corner of Knapp and Broadway, there's like a big um, pavilion that looks like it's made out of the it's made out of the same shapes and materials that were used in the Brisele at the art museum. And I don't, that one doesn't appear to move. That just appears to be like a big uh, a pavilion letting in a ton of light. And it was probably the lobby. Um, and then running South from that was a long, low building um, that had a skylight running almost the entire length of the building. And the breeze, so the bread slicer Brisele uh, would have been used to provide shade to that long, skylight so kind of like a big pergola almost yes and that part would move and then when you're saying breeze soleil just for those that don't know that's that's the you know the wings on the art the museum wings. that's the it's um a series of of slats that move together right yes. uh, or they don't have to move but it's a series of slats in this case they're made out of like carbon um, yeah it's sort of carbon fiber right yeah yeah and they would move to they would be able to close to provide um to keep the sun out Okay, so shade like louvers is another yeah, word. Yeah, louvers would be a good word too, right? Okay, these yeah. are all terms I've learned from you, Bobby, over the years here. You all know, right. I wasn't I wasn't dropping louvers out of nowhere, you know, <laughs> five years ago. <laughs> so anyway, this building was, um, uh, as you can see from the fact that there was a model made, and you know, there's dozens of MSOE has dozens of drawings that he did of this building. Um, they had money committed to it. You know, that when it was first announced, they said they already had $11 million in um, committed donations for it, you know, and um, their their biggest struggle was with the church next door, um, which was an issue with the building that ended up getting built, too. I mean, they had to basically work with the church because the church wanted to put up an addition of its own, and it also did do that. So they worked it out, and it was fine. Um but in the end, I don't think the money was really there. Part of part of the problem with a lot of these projects was that as they were being discussed, the art museum was being built, and the cost of the art museum, which was originally supposed to be around uh, about twenty five million dollars, later 
went up to about $50 million, then later went up to about $75 million, and then ended up at around $100 million. And so a lot of people got cold feet. Ah, I see. This was not the case in every case, but that that, that was a common um, thread running through all of these. Everybody, like all of the news reports about all of these projects refer to the rising cost of the art museum. And, um, and they, you know, they interview the principals in these different projects and they all say, yeah, we're keeping an eye on it. <laughs> I think I, yeah, I do remember that because it was yeah. like, could they, could it be finished? Would it be finished? I, I do remember hearing about that now that you mentioned it. Yeah. So there was some concern that, um, that somebody, you know, that some of these projects would get started thinking it was a certain cost and then it would get out of, out of control. So, so there was this, the, this was the first one, the MSOE one. Before we move on, I just want to, I want to call out because you found so many amazing photos and renderings and plans for this MSOE development. And um, as you mentioned at the end of the article, coming by these drawings and these renderings is really difficult now because there's, I mean, A, they, they're just lost in some cases. There's confidentiality uh, reasons why, you know, Kyle Trava can't just give them away himself, right? His company can't just give them away. Right. But what I love is, you know, on some of these, like these watercolors, these designs from Kyle Trava himself, you can see the pencil lines and the, the human figures. And it, to me, I just see it. It's like this, like, this creative uh, fearlessness to just decide, you know, like there should be a gym here and, and the, the ceiling should be curved in this way to see so very early in that creative process before uh, anything's been built from a genius like Calatrava. It's, it, it is just really close and interesting. And that's the story that people who knew him when he was here working on the art museum and on these other projects will tell you is that when they were with him, he's sort of an, an inveterate drawer and sketcher and watercolorist. And he does just sort of like, I mean, he'll, he would sit at lunch with people and just sketch something and tear off to another page and then sketch something else and tear off the page and then sketch, you know, like just sort of furiously sketching away at these things as like, like to sort of work through these issues on paper in front of him as he's talking about them and, and thinking about them. So it's, um, I probably shouldn't have been surprised by how many of these watercolors were at MSOE, but I was pretty surprised. They said they had some and I went there and there were literally, there had to be at least three dozen of them there. Oh, wow. Um, so I took pictures of most of them, but I couldn't use them all in the story. And I didn't even, and I didn't even take pictures of all of them because there were just so many. That's the feast side of it. The famine side is that I couldn't find drawings for any of the other projects. Yeah. Your research <laughs> continues. And I see at the bottom here, you're saying if anybody has information on these other, these other developments we're going to talk about, please get in touch with Bobby. He wants to see the photos. Well, yeah. Cause then the next one we're going to discuss, um, is another, which is another project that did get built, but not, um, by Calatrava was a pedestrian bridge over the Milwaukee River south of North Avenue. And that bridge is there. It goes from Caesar Park, Caesars Park um, on the east side of the river across um, to the other side. And um, he was, he actually did supposedly drawings that showed five different designs of what a potential bridge could look like um, because news reports at the time refer to you know the Whitney Gould who was the journal sentinel architecture critic had seen them and she wrote they range from a gently curved Venetian style span to a modified parabola and a cabled bridge with a slanting pylon reminiscent of what he plans for the art museum so there were drawings of those but nobody seems to know where those are um, so he was going to do this footbridge and then again cost is another issue on this one um, although it wasn't entirely fear of the cost of what Calatrava would what the 
what the bridge itself would cost, but there was um, land that had to be acquired on the river west side to be able to land the bridge over there. And uh, they were having trouble negotiating with the owner of that piece of land at the time. And he wanted a ton of money. And anyway, the project got delayed. And, you know, Calatrava ended up sort of falling off as the person that would would design it. And that did ultimately get built. But again, not Calatrava. So we know just based on that that Journal Sentinel um, architecture review that there were these other alternate designs that must be both satisfying and a little frustrating, right? Like you just can't, you just got to want to see them, right? Oh, I know, right? And it was, thankfully she described sort of what some of them looked like and you can get a sense of like, you know, the the one with the with the wires and the tilting pylon. Well, that's, you know, a lot like, is a lot like the, the bridge he built over Lincoln Memorial Drive to connect the art museum to downtown but also if you look at through books of his work he he built a lot of bridges with a sort of design like that um in europe so it's interesting to consider what that could have looked like you know so we could have had a bridge and yes and then the then the next one is a skywalk so this would have been downtown yes this would have been downtown connecting the skywalk uh which does exist again it was built connects the wisconsin center convention center to the hilton city center it goes right across wisconsin avenue at about fifth street oh yeah i can um, picture that mm-hmm. it's right there it's fine it's a skywalk it works i guess you know nobody's um, gonna be like wow look at that skywalk but uh, yeah maybe, and this is maybe. one and this is one that steve marcus who owns uh who's the ceo of marcus corporation which owns the hotel the hilton city center um was going to partner with the um convention center with the Wisconsin center district, which owns the convention center. Um, and he wanted Calatrava because he wanted it to be not just a skywalk. He wanted it to be an artwork, mm-hmm. you know? And so he basically said, yeah, I know it's going to cost a lot of money, but you know, I want, you know, I want something beautiful basically. Um, and there were, he recalls that there were two sketches for that. And oh, wow. again, okay. Again, there are media reports at the time that say, you know, downtown business leaders who've seen the sketches say they're beautiful kind of thing. So we know those existed. Um, I had the Marcus archivist approach him about it, and he said he remembers at least two drawings, but he doesn't know where they are. Oh, they got to be <laughs> somewhere, right? That's This is what I'm saying. How do you, like, <laughs> didn't, didn't you just frame them and put them in your living room or something at, at the very least? You know? Right. Check the file um, cabinets. I don't know. Well, and the archivist is a, is really good at her job. She oh, has I bet, yeah. with many photos and things for, like, movie theater stories and stuff, and she can't find them, so they don't appear to be in the archives. So anyway, so then that one ended up kind of falling apart, too, for the that was a money reason too, because the, um, the Wisconsin center basically committed a certain amount of money towards the skywalk. And then when, uh, Steve Marcus said that he wanted to hire Calatrava, the chairman of the Wisconsin center district board said, well, that's great. But if it goes over this amount, there's going to be a do not disturb sign on our door. (laughs) (laughs) He literally said that don't come looking for for money. The quote in your story um, says, if you plan to do something real, real elaborate, our door is do not disturb on the outside. It's a very colorful (laughs) way to say that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so that, that sort of fell apart for that, that same reason. Um, And then the last project, which is interesting and didn't fall apart because of money was university club on Wells and Prospect 
announced that it was going to sell its parking lot to a developer to put up a condo tower. And the developer that bought the land was Burke Properties. And they actually entered into contract with Calatrava, who came to the city, met with them, showed them um, a video of a building that he was planning for Sweden, which ended up getting built in Sweden because it was a similar project. It was a residential tower called Turning Torso, which is a building that's basically like a a square, a tall, slim square. But if you held, like if a giant held the bottom of it and the top of it and twisted in opposite directions. Yeah, that's a great description. There's a really cool photo of it in your story. And it's, it's a beautiful building. But like you look at it and you, your eye just travels up and down it. Like, how is this possible? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really intriguing and a really beautiful building. And, um, I spoke to, um, a guy who was the president of Burke Properties at the time, Paul uh, Votto, and he said that um, when he saw that at the meeting, he couldn't, he wasn't sure if Calatrava was kind of suggesting that the deal in Malmo might not go through and maybe Milwaukee could have this turning torso, or if he was just saying like, you know, this is the kind of building I can do for you. But either way, can you imagine like standing at the lakefront and, um, seeing the art museum and then behind it up on the top of the bluff, seeing a Calatrava building like turning torso. It would have been amazing. You know, they knew it was going to be expensive. It was going to be a lot of, it was going to be like the art museum where he was going to just do some sort of drawings like he did for MSOE, like probably watercolor sketches of what the building would look like. Um, and then they would have to hire a local architect of record as the art museum did with Kayler Slater to um, do the actual kind of, nuts and bolts drawings for it. You know, the actual architectural drawings, you know, college Harvard was basically going to be an ideas man, you know? Um, so they knew it was going to be expensive, but Bur- you know, Votto says Burke had a lot of money and he wanted this building. He, you know, and Burke was such a fan of college that he and his wife donated the money. They bought the naming rights of the Brie Soleil. The Brie Soleil is called the Burke Brie Soleil at the art museum. So, so he was involved in that project too. So he knew what it was going to cost and he knew that it was probably going to cost more than he thought it would cost (laughs) and he was willing to do it. But what happened in that case was that um, the city owned a small piece of land right next to the university club land and they decided to sell that land for a condo tower also. John Burke didn't want that of Burke Properties. He wanted to just build his Calatrava Tower. So he offered to buy the land from the city for whatever it wanted. But the city declined. And it's um, so then Burke just at that point decided it wasn't worth it. And, you know, so um, he ended up walking away from the land and Mandel Group ended up building a tower on that site. And the city site next to it also got a tower. So we do have those two towers next to it. One is called Kilbourne Tower. One is called University Tower. So again, built, but not to a Calatrava design. Yeah, it's interesting that in each of these cases, there is, you know, kind of a, both both sides of the argument. And you can trace the money and, and these people, um, these developers are still, you know, connected to Milwaukee. So it's, it, it, the story is kind of right there, but it's maybe not as in plain sight. I get both sides of that argument. I mean, I can see like having the two towers on that site definitely keeps it more of like a street friendly block and they do get twice the the revenue out of it. And there's twice as many places for people to live downtown. Um, I totally get that. I see the city's position 
perfectly well, you know. But I also see his position of not wanting to invest in what he knows is going to be this insanely expensive building when he's going to have competition from a tower, another tower right next to it. Yeah, and for us who you know are not connected to the money component and and can just say like, wouldn't it be great if all these were built? I mean, yeah, of course it would be cool if if we had five Calatravas. Um, a little asterisk there, a little grain of salt, I suppose. But what's interesting though is what I thought was funny was after the MSOE building was announced as a as a Calatrava project, there was a local architect who wrote a letter to the editor of the newspaper, and the newspaper printed it, saying basically, and this was before. All of these other, this is before the bridge, the, before the skywalk, before the condo tower, just when the announcement of the um, MSOE building thing happened, he said, Milwaukee shouldn't put all of its architectural eggs in one basket, sort of, you know, like he said, it's great that we've got Calatrava doing this amazing building at the lakefront. Let's use that as a way to parlay hiring other exciting architects to come and do exciting buildings. There are lots of other architects besides... Calatrava who do amazing work. And he said, and what I thought was the best thing is he said, we should also be allowing local architects the same kind of freedom to design buildings that we give Calatrava. Mm. Instead of sort of saying, you know, they have to stick to this kind of like tried and true sort of look. Like we should allow them the same kind of freedom to be creative and exciting and all that. And what's and I thought, that's amazing. And, and this guy saw it from the get-go. And still, there were like three more projects <laughs> that came out after. Yeah, and I was going to say there's even <laughs> even non Calatrava um, designs that, um, as you said, kind of echo the art museum design. There was some controversy, I suppose, around Discovery World um, yep. and the original yep. design of that. And I think about those those bridges over what is it, Sixth Street? Yeah, the Sixth Street Viaduct, very Calatrava influenced. I mean, that's yeah. that's the kind of look that that one of the river spans was going to have that's you know the kind with the sort of tilting pylon with the you know um and i and yeah. for me for me i think those look pretty slick like i like those those sixth street viaduct um but if those were all over the place in milwaukee and we had you know six more bridges that look just like that maybe it wouldn't be so special well and that's what bob green street said even back then he said you know milwaukee uh and i don't he, i'm not sure if how he was saying you couldn't tell from the context if he was saying it was a good thing or a bad thing but he was saying that Milwaukee could become a Calatravaville, mm. which sounds to me like he was like this architect sort of warning that, you know, you could, you could have too much. There is such a thing as too much of a good <laughs> thing, right? I mean. Too much Calatrava, perhaps. Yes. And it's interesting because Paul Votto, you know, who was involved in that tower um, discussion also says, you know, Calatrava was younger at the time. He didn't have um, projects going yet in the United States. Sure, he was going to be wowed by all this attention and willing to kind of work with all these people, perhaps knowing that some of them wouldn't happen anyway. But but even if they did, he could see it as a place where, you know, he would it would be a showcase for his work. Right after the after the third project was announced, he even said that to Whitney Gould. He said, you know, I I, I would sort of view it as like from a PR standpoint, like having multiple buildings in this one city would be sort of a showcase for him. But, you know, as Paul Vado says, it would probably have diminishing returns, right? I mean, we'd be less excited with the opening of each one. A really interesting way to like think about how Milwaukee Skyline could have looked versus how it does look. And I guess up to you to decide whether or not this was would have been good for the city or not. I think you raise a really good, just a really interesting. And I, you know, certainly I, I, I didn't know that there could have been so many more of these Calatravas. And did we even cover them all? 
Uh, yeah, I think we did. Yeah. Okay, we did. We didn't leave any out. Yeah. Okay. So there's the art museum. Art, let's, yeah, let's do a quick recap here. Yeah, art museum built. <laughs> built, we, checked on. Yep. Yep. Kern Center built, but not to Calatrava design. Uh, footbridge over the river built, but not to Calatrava design. Skywalk over Wisconsin Avenue built, but not to Calatrava design. And University Club Tower built, but again not to Calatrava design. That's all. Five. Well, maybe someday he'll come back. Maybe we'll <laughs> we'll get one more. And uh, <laughs> hey, it's been twenty years or so. You know, we're serious now. That's right. We got the money. We've been saving up. <laughs> come back. We've been saving all the money from parking violation fines. <laughs> well, this is uh, definitely one of those. This is this feels like kind of a special urban spelunking. I can tell you, you got really into the research on this one, and it came from a a place of like genuine curiosity. I could just read that in your writing. And so many uh, just incredible photos from Calatrava himself. You can see those watercolors, those uh, pencil drawings. And yeah, to me, Bobby, those just like, you know, like I know you write and I, I do podcasts and and certainly not trying to compare ourselves to Calatrava. But I think I can relate to that very early in the creative process where you just have to start. You have to be bold and just like just put put the, the sound bites on the timeline or in your case like just start typing the story right yep, and yep. it's cool to see such a, a master at that stage too and people would love these drawings i would love it if msoe um would actually do i think it would be popular if they would do an exhibition of these oh yeah you know well, maybe this... not all of them they could pick you know a, you know maybe 20 of the best ones and show them at the groman museum or something i think people would love it maybe this will be an inspiration yeah well, definitely go to on Milwaukee and check out those photos and the models too. It's cool to see a like you know three D model of this building at the Kern Center that would have been. You can find those by just clicking in the description box right here on the player that you're using to listen. We always put a link to Bobby's complete stories, and you can also find us over at RadioMilwaukee.org/podcasts. This and dozens more um, urban spelunking segments to get into. We've been at it for a few years here at 88.9 and on hundreds Mil- and oh. hundreds of years. <laughs> Check it out at RadioMilwaukee.org slash podcast. All right, Bobby, we'll talk to you next week. Talk to you soon.